This is KMTT. This is Ezra Bacon's the weekly shiur on Pashat Shavua. This week's Pasha is Pashat B'Midbar, beginning the new book of B'Midbar and Pashat B'Midbar. Pashat B'Midbar is called B'Midbar because the word B'Midbar appears in the beginning of the uh, beginning of the Sefer, the beginning of the Pasha. It's not the only word that could have been chosen, but it is the first one that's a little bit different, so I'm not asking any questions why. And most parashot simply they take a word from the beginning. God spoke to Moshe in the Sinai Desert, from or in the Oel Moed, in the Tent of Meeting, and it gives a date. First day of the second month, in the second year, from the exodus from the land of Egypt. Not every time that God spoke to Moshe does it tell you where it takes place. In fact, generally speaking, it doesn't say it. It says, on and on and on and on and on, many, many times in the Torah. The date might be important. Chazal do talk about the date. B'midbaz Sinai seems really strange. Why would the Torah say here, after all of the book of Shemot and the book of Vayikra, why would all of a sudden here the Torah say, and God spoke to Moshe in Midbar Sinai? The entire story takes place in Midbar Sinai. From the time that they came to Midbar Sinai in Parshat Yitro, way back in Sefer Shemot, until... Until the the until Sefer Dvarim or the end of Sefer Dvarim or the beginning of Sefer Dvarim, which is Ba'arvot Moav, which is not exactly desert. It's that's actually a desert area, but the meaning of Avot Moav means about to enter Eretz Israel. But the forty years, forty years, the Jews are b'midbar Sinai, including including Sefer Vayikra. What's the significance of saying now, or even in general? Why is Certain this sefer, this book, which we call the Midbar, why is it identified as God speaking to Moshe by Midbar? Just so you shouldn't think I'm crazy, other Mephashim asked this, or Mephashim asked this question. I take back the word other. Mephashim asked this question. They give various uh, interesting answers. Uh, I'll mention one, the Ramban, uh, asks why it says it here. sinai. This pasuk mentions Midbar Sinai. What is the very next parasha? What, what did God say to Moshe Midbar Sinai immediately? It was a mitzvah of a census. Su'ut Rosh Koladat B'nei Yisrael, as we know, Pashat Midbar, Pashat Nasar, which come afterwards, consists mostly of a census of the Jewish people. The Ramban says, Hizkir kan Midbar Sinai, lagit shalom nasu misham at shenimnu. Ki minyan ha-shenei ya ba'avot mo'av. So Ramban gives an answer which itself is a question. Ramban says, it says him in Basinai in contradistinction, in contraposition to another census which will take place in Avot Moab before they enter Eretz Israel. The context there is the division of the land. You need to know how many Jews there are to know how many portions to create in order to divide up Eretz Israel. So there's another census. And apparently, if I did not say the word Mibasinai now, you might think there's only one census. And God commanded it over here in the beginning of this parasha, but, you know, time runs by very quickly, and it was done. It was done later on. So he says, 
במדבר סיני להגיד שלא נסעו משם עד שנסעו, עד שנמנו. That the, um, they, they, they did not move. And Pashad Baalotcha will come to command, start traveling, but the census is finished beforehand. So it says Mibas Sinai to tell you that this census was done in Mibas Sinai, even though they will, when they start moving, they'll still be Mibas Sinai, but the main thing is not when they get to Avot Moav. Okay, the question is why it's important for that to be mentioned. That Ramban doesn't explain. Uh, but, but what Ramban has said, is that it says him Bidbar Sinai to tell you specifically Bidbar Sinai and not, okay, the not that the Rabban mentions is Arvot Moab, the staging place before the invasion, before entering Eretz Israel, which will take place at the end of the Varim or more correctly in the beginning of Sefer Yeshua. Um, there are other uh, explanations, the Ibn Ezra asks the same question, gives a different answer, but Midbar Sinai, Lehodiyah, to tell you, Kilo Alam Moshe El Har Sinai Achar Hayot HaKavod Ba'ol Moed. It says in Midbar Sinai, in contraposition, in contradistinction to Har Sinai. This was said to Moshe Rabbeinu in Midbar Sinai, but not Bahar Sinai. And that's to tell you, the Moshe Rabbeinu never went up Har Sinai again. And why? Because the Oral Moed had been created. The end of Sefer Shmot, the Oral Moed is set up, the beginning of Sefer Vayikra, it explains its inauguration. And in any event, from the end of Sefer Shmot, there is an Oral Moed. And from now on, God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu in Oral Moed, which was down below. And that's why it says here, but Midbar Sinai and not Har Sinai. So once again, I'm bringing these two quotations from the Ramban and Ibn Ezra to prove my question rather than my answer. Midbar Sinai is in contradistinction to something. The Ramban says in contradiction to Avot Moav, and Ibn Ezra says in contradiction to Har Sinai. I tend to agree, to the extent that it's possible, to uh, have an opinion about a, 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 an argument, a disagreement between Ibn Ezra and the Ramban. I tend to agree with Ibn Ezra here. Because, because I read slowly. No one knows about Avot Moav yet. But the very previous parsha, it's true, it's a different book. It was only a week ago, you should remember. Bahar and Bechukotai are specifically, this that I know that it's true, they're specifically indicated as Bahar Sinai, which is why Pashat Bahar is called Pashat Bahar. God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu Bahar Sinai Leimor and gave him the laws of Shemitah. And of course, Chazal asked, Rashi quotes, why is it mentioned by Sinai? All mitzvot are given in Sinai. But, but the end of Sefer Vayikra, the beginning of Bahar, and towards the end of Bechokotai, it says, Eilu Dibreya Brita Shedipa Hashem Moshe Bahar Sinai. So it, it's quite clear that there's a whole section there which is called God Speak to Moshe Bahar Sinai. Now it says, Moshe Bahar Sinai. They're very close together. It's just a few psukim later. If you ignore the fact that we've switched books, we've switched Svarim. So I think here that Ibn Ezra is right in this particular point, that Ibn Bar Sinai is in contradiction to Har Sinai. But again, the question is why? What's the point? What does it mean to say that parts of the Torah are given by Har Sinai and parts were given by Midbar Sinai? The Ramban, of course, who says that it's Har Sinai, not Avot Moab, says it's the Minyan, it's only about the census. Here again, I, I, I'm looking for a better answer than the Ramban says. For perhaps not a good reason. I'm influenced by the fact that not only this parsha is called Bamidbar, the whole book is called Bamidbar. 
Some people will claim that what a book is called is not relevant. It's not the real name, or if it even has a real name. If it has a real name, there are other names. Um, uh, the name that Chazal called this book was Sefer HaPkudim, the book of Sensa. Um, but I, I'm still influenced by the fact that this is called Sefer B'Midbar, and I want to know what's special about the Midbar, and therefore, as opposed to Avot Moav, which only refers to the census, doesn't really satisfy me, I'm going to try to continue the path that Ibn Ezra uh, suggested. There are two kinds of situations, two sections in the Torah. One section is Bahar Sinai, which in fact is the second half of Shemot, from the time they got there, and all of Sefer Vayikra. There is a Brit Bahar Sinai, which is in Shemot, Pashat Yitro, Pashat Mishpatim, perhaps Truba Kitisa and Tetzaveh as well. And then the Torah comes back to it, and it's not a discussion today. In the end of Vayikra, it says again, Bahar Sinai, Bahar Sinai, Bahar Sinai, Elu Divrei Abit Bahar Sinai. Offhand, it's the entire Shemot and Vayikra, Bahar Sinai. And suddenly, having finished, as the Ebenezer points out, the creation of the Ormod and everything that's connected to it in Vayikra, suddenly now, it's important to Torah to say, the discussion, the mitzvot, the Torah, is Bimidbar Sinai. And this is what we are going to be learning in the next couple of weeks, what we're going to be reading in the Torah, the mitzvot of Sefer v'midbar. What's the difference between Har and Midbar? Of course, you're going to point out, quite correctly, that Har Sinai is also Bimidbar Sinai. To say it's country distinction is not quite like the Ramban. Ramban is two different localities. Here it's not two different localities. Midbar Sinai is the desert that surrounds Har Sinai. So it's not two different localities, but it's two different geographical situations. Har Sinai, which is one particular place, but it's also a mountain. And Midbar Sinai, the main thing is that it's not a mountain. It's a larger area, and it's called the desert. It's called, it's called Midbar. There's a Medrash in the beginning of, uh, of a Midbar, in the Medrash Rabbah, a Midbar Rabbah which uh, asks the question why Midbar Sinai is mentioned, gives a very long answer, too long for me to read it out to you. I really suggest you read it because it's fascinating. The details are very fascinating. The Medrash sort of gets, gets a bit off track and begins to wander and has a lot of different parts, which is why I can't read the whole thing. But so I'm going to read the very beginning and I'll summarize the rest. You'll have to... You don't, don't believe me. Right now you have to believe me, but please take your uh, Midbar Rabba and read Ot Bet, the second, the second section of Amid Barabba. Davar Acher, Vaydeber Hashem Moshe ben Bar Sinai. Zeh she'amar ha-katuv, quotes the Pasuk in Yirmiyahu. God is rebuking Israel. Yirmiyahu is the prophet of, of rebuke. Difficult times, right before the Choban. And God says, Hador atem, ru'u dvar Hashem. Hamidbar hayiti liYisrael im eretz mapelia. God says to Am Yisrael, "Was I like a desert to you, like a land of darkness?" And the Midrash explains. I'll read one more line. Amar Kadosh Baruch Hu Yisrael, Al she'amartem l'Moshe, l'amelitunu mi Mitzrayim l'mit ba Midbar. When the Jews complained 
in different times. The pasuk that's quoted here is actually from Bamidbar. Later on, one of the complaints, there's, there's a lot in Sefer Bamidbar about the complaints and, and rebellions of the Jews. So the Jews said in Pashat Shlach, why'd you take us out of Mitzrayim, the wonderful place? So, and we know, you know, Kagan Mitzrayim, it's, it's a land of plenty. As the Jews themselves point out, where they remember the food and the water. You took us to the Midbar to die. That's what the Jews said when they, uh, in, 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 after the report of the, of the Meraglim. So the Jews said, oh, we're in the Midbar, and they were crying about it. And then God answered, Bechi b'midbar asiti mayhem. Was it really Midbar? Which is the meaning of the Pasuk in Yemiyahu? Was I a desert to you? So you're in the desert, but was it a desert? That, that's what the Medrash is explaining about our Pasuk. It says, to understand our Pasuk, you should remember what God said in, through Yemiyahu. When you left Mitzrayim, was it a land of desert? Was it a land of darkness? Now what, what's the point? So the Medrash explains in the, in, in the, uh, afterwards, See what took place. God took them in the Midbar and He gave them food. They ate man. And they, it, 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 it wasn't hot because they were on the Nea Kavod. And it has an expression. It says, I, um, And the Mephashim said that Sigmatin means, means comfortable couches. As it says, Pashat B'Shalach. That God, by a save them means He turned them. But they're using the Midrash lens by a save in Lashon HaSeber, like on Pesach. I, I gave you to sleep. I, I reclined you. I gave you to recline. Um, in other words, the Midrash is claiming that the experience of the Jews by Midbar Sinai was one of luxury and of delicious food. They weren't starving. They had the man. And there was water. It mentions, and the, the Medrash then goes, there was the Be'er, Be'er Miriam. They had enormous amounts of water, no shortage of, uh, of water as well. And, and uh, the Medrash is very, very long. There were no, uh, no nechashim, no snakes and no scorpions. Why is that mentioned? Because it's, it's indicative of a desert. This is a place where there are nothing except for scorpions and snakes, little sorts of reptiles who can live under those conditions, but you didn't meet those things because, says the Anan, the, the cloud that God's presence swept it away from the Jews. They never met any of those things. And, and other burning insects and even, and even sharp rocks. They didn't have to go down into valleys. It's very uneven land in the desert. There's deep valleys and, and, and difficult walking. No, 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 God evened it all out. No mountains to climb. He would lower the mountains and he would raise, he would raise the valleys. Everything was, was, was even and there was a be'er. And the Midrash goes on and on and on and on explaining and sometimes having some tangential uh, comments about these things, how, how well provided the Jews were in, in the desert. In other words, the Midrash is explaining that God says, Hamidbar hayiti liso, was I a desert to you? You were in the desert. But were you in the desert? In other words, reflecting on our Pasuk, Midrash is saying the meaning of the Pasuk is Hashem el Sinai. The physical environment is Midbar and God speaking to Moshe and 
eventually to Am Yisrael, Bamidbar is changing the meaning of the word Midbar. Your Midbar, your desert, which is me, was it a desert? Amidbar Hayiti Yisrael? Did you experience the desert when you were in the desert? Was it a land of darkness? Or, Medrash uh, continues, jumping the second half of the Pasuk, was it dark? No, there was light. Um, because there was Amud Anan and Amud Ha'esh, and you were never in the darkness, you were never lost, etc., etc. So this Midrash is an interesting Midrash. In certain contexts, I want to take the idea. The idea is, the meaning of the word Midbar, desert, is exactly the way we think of the word desert, deserted. The Midbar is a place where there's nothing. There's no life, that's the main point. No conditions for human life. It's inimical to human life. That's the meaning. Nobody lives in the desert because you can't live there. The word ha doesn't mean the opposite, but it doesn't mean that. Ha is a particular place. It's elevated. We know that ha means elevated close to God. It's a place where God comes down from the sky and speaks to the Jews. It's revelation. You say the word revelation, we mean in Hebrew. The word revelation is, in, in, not in Hebrew, but in, 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 in our language, in, in the language of Yiddishkeit. Ma'amad ha-sinai. What took place in ha-sinai was revelation. The Midbar is a place where the physical surroundings, you, you shouldn't be there. They have no advantage. They have the opposite of no advantage. And I think the meaning is that the story that's told in Sefer Bamidbar and specifically is set up in Pashat Bamidbar is how to construct the ideal living habitat in a place which has nothing. And what the Pasha is about, Pashat Bamidbar, Pashat Nassau, explicitly, and also by extension, I think, what takes place afterwards, is the setting up of the Machane Yisrael. The census is the beginning, of what later on will be where you live. There is Mishkan in the middle. Around that Machane Leviyah, Moshe Rabbeinu and the Leviyim. Around that Machane Yisrael, organized into 12 sections, with the Galim, with the, with the flags. There's this picture, a very ideal picture, of a constructed and artificial community which isn't based, it's not drawing from the surroundings. No fruit to pick. No rivers running. No interesting architecture or geography. But a shimama, an emptiness. And nonetheless, the ultimate picture of Machana Yisrael, what is the Jewish people supposed to look like, is constructed specifically there. And therefore the emphasis on in other words, God is speaking in the emptiness and telling you mitzvah, telling you what to do and telling you what to construct. Count who you are, find out how many Leviim there are, divide the shvatim into different shvatim, give each shevet a place to live, arrange the tents, arrange the relationship between sanctuary in the middle and you're living around it. And that is the picture of Am Yisrael which you should carry with you.
Now, implicit in this is a contradistinction, not, I think, in terms of the shot of the reading, but once you understand that the desert is a place where the physical environment gives you nothing, it's in contradistinction to, first of all, Har Sinai, where not the physical environment gives you something, but God gives you something. God comes down and feeds you the Torah. You don't do anything, you just receive. But also in contradistinction to Eretz Yisrael, which is a physical environment that provides, that gives. Because it's not a desert. And because the Torah says so. Later on, in Sefer Dvarim, in Parashat Ekev, Eretz Chita Usora, Begefen Utena Berimon, Eretz Shalom Eskinut Ochal Barechem, Lot Echsar Kolba, Eretz Mayanot, Asher Abanea Barzel, it has minerals, it has water, it has fruits, it's, 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 it's paradise. It's the opposite of the desert. And as in other things, as in what the Torah says in Ekev explicitly about the man, that you ate man in the deserts, so that when you eat bread, you'll remember that real bread is man. So here too, I think it's saying, you will construct an environment, and, and Baruch Hashem later on, you're going to go to Eretz Yisrael, you're not going to have to live in the desert. But the ideal picture is what you're learning here, and in order to learn it, we have to strip away the uh, perhaps misleading idea that we are children of the physical and natural environment in which we live. The Jewish community, which is Kahal Hashem, Machane Yisrael, Shuhu, a continuation and expression of Machane Shechina, Asher Ani Shochein B'Tocham, expression which appears in Sefer Bamidba, a place where there's a din, in two weeks' time we'll read it, of Shiluach Machanot, that the Tmeim, those who are defiled, are sent out. Because the entire Machaneh, at different levels, is a reflection of holiness. That Machaneh does not draw, is not based, and does not reflect the environment, because the environment is zero. It's null. It's desert. It has Sinai, you didn't construct anything. There you just listened. You were passive. So the mitzvot that were given till the creation of the Ohel Moed, the mitzvot were simply, the Kedusha was simply given to you. And you, uh, you absorbed it, or you saw it, or you paid attention to it. And the Torah told us to make an Ohel Moed. Once you make an Ohel Moed, now you, cre- you create, according to God's plan, the Jewish community. And this is created like like ex-territorial section. It has, it, it's, it's, it's sort of contradictory. I'm saying the Machane Yisrael was B'midbar Sinai, which means it was nowhere. We're giving you a location, but the location is not a location. Because it has, it has nothing and no way, in no way influences you. If you have a community in France, you're probably French. If you have a community in B'midbar Sinai, you're not Sinaitic. You're artificial. Therefore, what are you? If you don't draw from the outside, then you only draw from the inside. The old Moed in the middle is what creates, if you do it properly, the Machane Yisrael Misabib. And therefore the Pasuk says, which everybody knows, gives two locations. God spoke to Moshe This of course makes the Bimidbar Sinai even more unnecessary. There is a kind of distinction between Bahar Sinai and Baal Moed. 
which is an important topic for Sefer Vayikra. The first half of Sefer Vayikra, it says, Vayidabe Hashem Moshe, Vayikra Hashem Moshe, Mi'ol Moed. So the beginning, the first half, the first three quarters of Sefer Vayikra is Ba'ol Moed. And the second half, it says, it says Bahar Sinai again. But here it says, Bahar Sinai Ba'ol Moed. So the place is Ol Moed. Who cares about the geographical location if it says Ba'ol Moed? But my point is that, I'm not the first one to ask this question. Everyone talks about this. But my point is that it's B'midbar Sinai Ba'ol Moed means you're in the Midbar Sinai and therefore you're not B'midbar Sinai. You're nowhere and therefore you're, God is speaking Be'ohel Moed meaning Ohel Moed will be what gives the legitimacy, what gives the meaning, what gives the basis, what gives the structure to the Jews who live around Ohel Moed. When you go to Eretz Israel, you'll be living in this world. The Sinai Desert is not part of the world. There are some who claim, Rav Gorman once claimed, that the meaning of Midbar is that it's, it's, it's really nowhere at all. Things we talk about, Hilchot Haaretz, uh, locations, so there are nations, there are different locations, the Midbarot are the things which are outside. They're, they're outside civilization. Uh, I'm being a little more extreme. It's like outside the world. If you're living there, you're not living anywhere. You're living in only what you create for yourself. You're living like in a spaceship with your own oxygen. You're living on the moon. If you're living on the moon, you're not living on the moon. You're living in an artificial pod that's been created where you've got your own food, your own oxygen, and, and your own sealed tank. That's what the Jews are doing in the Midbar. When you go to Eretz Israel, you won't be living that way. You'll be living underneath the vine and underneath the fig tree. And you'll spread out. And you'll become, you'll have nachala, you'll be, you'll be entrenched. You'll be rooted in the land. But the definition of Machane Yisrael will not change. Now that you're being trained here, what to create. And after all, the technical laws that are discovered in this parasha will not be recreated exactly. You're not going to live in a square area, 12 shvatim, uh, within easy walking distance of the Mishkan be much more diffuse. It won't be the perfect square. It won't be Tzafon, Darom, Mizrach, Umarav. But the meaning of a Jewish community will be the same. And you'll be, you'll enroot the Jewish community in the land and not have the land grow the Jewish community. The interesting point, which has been made by others before me, the Torah was given not in Eretz Israel, but in no, no man's land. I'm repeating the same point on the next level. And the Jewish people were created and the Jewish community was constructed and the Jewish physical, physical community was constructed in no man's land. Outside of Eretz Israel. We don't call it Galut. We just say it's nowhere. It's not because Eretz Israel isn't important. It's because the basic building blocks of the Jewish community, Torah Bishchina, are to be injected, are to be reconstructed in Eretz Israel and not the other way around. The religion which grew out of Eretz Israel is, un- well, what we call Eretz Canaan is unfortunately pagan. It was the land of the Canaanim. 
and the religion of the Knanim. And that's why God destroyed them. Because it was, it was decadent. And idolatry. Torah Yisrael is brought from Har Sinai to Eretz Yisrael. So it has two components. Torah Mehar Sinai and Shekhinah, community, surrounding God from Midbar Sinai. The difference between Har Sinai and Midbar Sinai is that Har Sinai, the mountain pointing to the heavens, it's a place where the heaven meets the earth. So you can receive content from God. God speaks to you. He tells you what to do. You see God. You learn all sorts of things from outside the world. Midbar Sinai is not an elevated place of revelation. It's a place where you have to build. You have to count. You have to dwell. You have to arrange your, your, your tents in a very exact confirm, uh, uh, um, construction which the Torah describes around a central point which is the Olmo age which also you constructed but the Shekhinah fills it up and that model now that's Midbar when you get to the end of Dvar we're going to take this model and move with it into whatever land we're going to be living in. Bezrat Hashem. Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Zabat Chalav Udvash. The land of our forefathers. And there we will have also Machane Shechina, which won't be limited by the goodness of the earth, but will be overflowing because it's Machane Shechina, because it's the it's the community. It's the community of God. There's a lot of details in the next two weeks' parsha about how to construct a machina, and we tend to get our eyes glaze over a little bit. A lot of numbers. Everything's counted twice. Amisel is counted once, and then each individual tribe, because the tribes are distinct here, and then the degel and the way they sit, and then the laws which are connected to it, getting rid of the tameim and other laws, and how the machina moves and how it how it moves about within the 40-year sojourn in, in, in the Midbar. It's not always that interesting. It's like very detailed, very formal. The meaning of the whole thing is that where you live is not just where you live. You don't move to Eretzel and build a house there. First you construct God's residence on earth, God's domicile on earth, which is not only the Mishkan, but Am Yisrael around the Mishkan. Shachanti Rasuli Mikdash Shachanti Betocham. You shall make me a sanctuary and I will dwell in your midst. So this receptacle for God's presence on earth does not draw from the ground. It draws from what you do in relationship to God. And that you will plant. That I will plant. You will plant in the land of Israel and create in this world, not out of this world, now you will create in this world a place where God, a place where God would dwell in your midst and you will be a reflection. This is your job in the world. This is Amisel's job in the world to be the place which maintains, which supports, creates the possibility 
of Shekhinah Ba'olam, of God's presence in this, in this mundane world. And that's why we should read at least the next two parashiyot. And I think the problems which arise, starting in the fourth parashiyot, Shlach, and Chukat, the fights and the arguments and what happens with Amisal there, is, 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 first of all, there's the theory, and then there's the construction, which is more complicated. How you put it all together without getting into problems, the Jews have to maintain it. And therefore you have the arguments, of, that's why it takes 40 years. And in the end, it succeeds, and they move the whole thing into Eretz Yisrael. Shabbat Shalom. Bechol Tov.